Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we no longer talk about Animorphs because we've already done that. But we're not ready to say goodbye to Catherine Applegate and Michael Grant. Turns out they wrote more books. What? Books that we will be reading and casually discussing? You bet. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month as we morph into the Apple Grant Book Club. like 20 30 years everybody's waiting now to get married waiting to have babies we're fucking up every system that we have in place because like people can't afford to have them blah 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 (sighs) i don't know and then i was reading this whole other thing the other day that spawned off this joke where the guy was like yeah you know like the old gruff guy comes in like oh yeah you're gonna have kids no i can't afford them you should pay me more and then they're like no we're not gonna pay you more and then they're like well then we're not gonna have kids and they're like why why don't you put yourself in crippling debt so that you can have the joy of children like every generation before you it's like nah oh my god yep yeah yep yeah so that's where we are maybe the maybe the the olds are just mad because yeah. people are not are choosing not to have kids, and it's like they maybe didn't have that option or something, or it wasn't as like socially acceptable or something. I don't know. For sure. No, I for sure think it wasn't as socially acceptable. And here's another interesting thing that I have heard is happening, according to the, the New York Times, <laughs> um, is that people are starting to more often choose names for their kids that are gender neutral, so that if their kids want to choose when they're older... Yeah. They can. Yeah. And they they can refer to themselves as they feel comfortable throughout their lives. Mm-hmm. And like older people are super uncomfortable. Like, oh, that's a terrible name. I don't know if that's a boy name or a girl name. And they're like, yeah, that's that's the point. <sighs> that's the fucking point, Diane. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> anyway. We... That actually weirdly ties in really well to this part two of Endling. It does, though! It really super does. Oh my god, nice. Nice segue. I, I, it wasn't me, it was all Catherine. I'm just riding her coattails as usual. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. I'm, I'm fucking loving this story, but that was an aspect I did not... Like, I am totally extrapolating here, but I truly feel like them having a trans daughter has changed, is a game changer in a fantastic way for their writing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give it all away right now, sure. but I love it. Hmm. Yeah. Could be. I. I yeah, I don't want to say anything either, but... It's- it's like at least more of a consideration. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to say anything. <laughs> Sorry, that's why I'm not. <laughs> we'll get there. I'm not for picking up sure. the ball that you've dropped. Um. <laughs> but yeah. Uh. I mean, I feel like I, I at least feel like they've always been like pretty, pretty feminist. At least. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, that that still continues to come through. But yeah, there's there's like some some stuff in here that I was kind of like, oh, huh? So. Yeah. Okay. Where, where do we want to pick up with this? Because should we talk about what predictions that were made? That might even give stuff away. Because I feel like I made several statements at the end of the last recording that very much started to come to fruition in this part two. <laughs> I just remember you being like, he's a wizard, Harry. <laughs> he is a wizard, The boy's Harry. a wizard. The boy's a wizard. I, I maintain the boy's a wizard. <laughs> that boy's a wizard. Psychers are magic. That boy's a wizard. <laughs> Sorry. That's, that's obscure. You're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's nuts. He's crazy on the coconut. What What does does that that mean? mean? (laughs) Oh, fuck. (laughs) Okay, did you enjoy this? Before we get into it, did you enjoy part two? I did, and I was... I was doing the thing that you say you always do where you just, like, keep reading and keep reading and being like, oh, I haven't written any notes in, like, 20 pages. Oh, no. Yes. Because I was just, like, eating it up with my eyeballs. Me, too. I was... Uh, I Like, I took way more notes than last time. Mm-hmm. Um, literally twice as many. Ooh. I know. And... Like, I, it was one of those where, like, so much important stuff was happening that I wanted to write it down. And then even the stuff that wasn't super important, I was like, oh, that's, like, really interesting, though. So, like, I was having troubles, like, parsing out what I should and shouldn't write. I think also part two is longer. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. I get that impression. Oh, yeah, it's, like, it's, like, twice as long. <laughs> I'm just yeah. pages. Yeah, I think part one was, like, 40-something pages. And this one was from, like, no, sorry, it was, like. 50 pages and this one was from like page 55 or whatever to 135 yeah so this one was longer for sure yeah but like also there was just there was so much to it and like there's so much world building like the one sentence world building that these guys can do which Mm -hmm. is incredible yeah (sighs) i love it so much so yeah i was very i fucking loved this yeah and uh, like I just want to, like, read this whole fucking book, which we are Me going too. to. But... I Well, yeah, that's the point. <laughs> Eventually, we will have read the entire book. Yeah. Series, yeah. even. Books two and three as well. Yeah. I'm just really excited. <laughs> All right. Should we, should we get into it? Yeah. Okay. Um, and feel free to stop me and add in as needed. I shall. Excellent. Also, my favorite character in this chapter is the horse. Well, in this book is the horse. Oh, my God. I love this horse. Oh, my God. <laughs> the fact. Okay. Let's talk about the horse for a minute. I, okay. So I love that the horse is a character. Uh-huh. Like, he could have just easily been some nameless horse. But as soon as, as the name is spoken, I'm like, okay, this is going to be one of those horses. And it was. And he's great. He's amazing, and I love this horse. <laughs> I love everything about this horse. <laughs> and this horse is absolutely both the comedic relief and just a beast of burden, and then also a character, depending on the situation yes. and what is needed at the time. <laughs> oh, my God. 
I'm fucking in love with this horse. When this movie is made, I will be buying the action figure of this horse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Okay, sorry. (laughs) Now I will start to summarize what happened in this book. Perfect. Okay. So Bix slowly wakes up, her head lolling against the side of a dappled dun horse. She didn't know where she was at first or what had happened, but it came back slowly in waves. It was light out again, meaning that she had been out for at least the full night. Ahead was the boy that had led the poachers, striding in front of the horse, and Bix remembered that remembered the wabic, remembered smoke, remembered fire, and then before the memory could become too vivid, and as she started to think of her family, her mind shut it down. I fucking love this whole beginning yeah like it just it's 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 that feeling of when you're coming to and things are coming back to you in pieces Mm -hmm. and the fact that like she knows what happened but but she just can't think about it it's just oh my god it's such a good like like trauma reaction it is. And the way that it was written, it like you feel it like kind of washing over you and washing over you. It's yeah. just beautifully written on top of that. So good. It was so good. I loved it so much. Ugh. I I fucking love this book. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like it's just it's so good. It's uh, it's so rare that I pick up a book and it's one of those where, like, I have troubles concentrating on anything else I'm doing because I just want to go back and keep reading this book. Yeah. And, like, it's such a rare feeling with a new book. And I, I, I have it with this book, and I love it. Yeah. I agree. Sorry. I just <laughs> had to get that out. Okay. Uh. Sorry. Back back to the story. <laughs> um. So Bix starts looking around again, and the boy notices that she's awake and stops the horse. He brings over a water skin and tries to pour some of it into Bix's mouth, but it's a a bad angle because Bix is hanging over the back of this horse. And so instead, he pours some into his hand and lets her lap it up like a dog. And as this is happening, more memories start flooding into her mind, and she remembers the fire and the smoke and the blood and just these flashes of things that are happening, like a Murdano soldier poking at a pile of fur with a spear. And and then suddenly this boy is talking and saying, like, oh, we need to get the arrow out of you now. And pulling Bix off the horse and struggling under her weight. And Bix watches as, as he builds a fire and mumbles about how he couldn't do this before now because they'd be found out because the fire would, would smoke and the soldiers would find them. And just kind of chatting while, mm-hmm. while he's doing all of this stuff. And Bix is looking around, and nothing is familiar. She has no idea where they are, where where this forest is, what's going on. And she's just kind of watching as the boy pulls out a knife, and she's bracing to be stabbed. But instead, she watches as he heats it up over the fire and starts saying, like, oh, this is going to hurt. It's going to be fine, but it's going to hurt. So just, like, brace yourself. And Bix is thinking, good, let the pain become physical now. Ooh. Which was so good. I was getting Animorphs vibes from that. Oh, such Animorphs vibes. There's so <sighs> much of this that, like, I get those really, like, gritty, powerful feelings. And I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Just fangirling over this book. 
Uh, so Bix starts taking inventory of, of what what they have weapon wise. So she notices like a bow and arrows and a rusty sword that was comically large for this boy and <laughs> this knife and again like just listening to him talk to himself and saying like this is what the weir women did so i know what i'm doing kind of a thing and and as as he approaches bix bix waits to feel the knife kind of slip into her chest but instead feels only the sharp quick cut and it hurt and then a second cut and the second one hurt even more by the third one she was getting used to it and then Bix felt as the spear started, wig- or the arrowhead started wiggling around and then gets pulled out and he tosses it to the ground. And then as if apologizing, he's like, I was aiming for your leg, but you moved. And Bix surprises even herself by saying, I wish you would hit my heart and let me join my people. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. And then the boy just says, I'm glad you lived. Um, he ends up applying some green leaf and, and wrapping a crude bandage around her chest and then just saying, we have to move on. And so he pushes Bix back up onto the horse, but upright this time, hops up behind her, and they go trotting away, staying on top of the rocks as much as they could to avoid leaving tracks. And that's the first chapter. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. So good, though. Oh, my God. I remember last episode when I was like, oh, I hope that that they fully explore the, the trauma of losing your family. And they are definitely doing that. Great news. The entire chapter, <laughs> explore the trauma. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm... I am so excited. Hopefully I remember as we go through this to just point out all the predictions that I made that started to come true and how much I loved that. Um, Yes, this is so good. I fucking... (laughs) Also, this is just a really good horse, guys. Like, dappled, done horse. Gorgeous. Think Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron, but more drafty and dappled. So just gorgeous. Wait, okay. Sorry, say that again? I want you to picture Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron. Okay, he's like a buckskin, right? Yeah, this is like a buckskin dun horse. What's a dun horse? So, a dun is a type of marking where they have that line on their backs. Like, you saw yeah. how Spirit, like, you know, buckskins have it, but duns, they can be more colors than, than just that buckskin color. They can go darker. Yeah. This one is more spirity because it's a golden horse, right? Like, we don't hear the actual terminology. It's golden and dappled. Yeah. So, just imagine Spirit, okay? That's the easiest way to do this. Okay. And then um, dun horses also have like kind of tiger striping on the tops of their legs. They'll be like that bay with the dark bottom leg. But as you get towards the top, they kind of had very like remedial striping. Damn, that's a fancy horse. It's a nice horse, right? (laughs) So you're imagining kind of spirit. And then a little bulkier than spirit because we find out later this is like a pretty big horse. Yeah. So like a little bit drafty, probably a little bit of feathering on the legs. We don't know that for sure. I'm extrapolating (laughs) from the data. And then just shiny dapples on it. Like they take care of this horse. This is a great horse. Aw. I love him. (laughs) Very Very much focusing on this character that is not one of the main characters per se. Oh my god. Can't wait for this action figure to come out. We'll be buying all of them. <laughs> okay, so I just really like this horse. Sorry, what were you gonna say? I, I I was gonna apologize for making you repeat yourself. I got a 
Slack message, but I have turned my phone off, so they will not bother me. As if I would ever be upset about talking more about horses. (laughs) 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 Let me tell you more. Let me tell you about this horse again. Great fucking horse. horse. (laughs) Beautiful horse. I don't. This horse has like. It does like four things, but it's just like in my mind, this is the best horse. Everything he does, though, is great. Yes, and I love that he still acts like a horse. Like he's still scared of shit and skittish. And like, it's not like one of those, like, the horse does everything the rider wants. No, this horse is like, fuck you. I'm not doing that. And I love that about this horse. <laughs> I love that this horse doesn't listen, it acts like a horse. Uh, sorry. <laughs> this is my <laughs> unnecessary rant about this book. Maybe he'll get stuck <laughs> in a fence or something. That is no. that's very horse-like. I just all of a sudden was having that like Artax dr- drowning in the swamp. <gasps> oh no, that's not where I was going. That's where I thought you were going, no, and I was like, no, no, I no was how just dare about you? Horses and how sometimes they get stuck in fences or or something because. Because they do. Because yeah. they're beings of chaos. No, I'm sorry. I was trying to take horses this in the Artek direction. That's sad, and I don't wish that upon this horse. Yeah, it is sad. But, you know, horses, they do shit. But this horse is great, and we love him. This horse is great. I love this horse. 10 out of 10 would keep this horse. <laughs> Get a load of that horse. Uh. <laughs> One of my favorite fantasy horses, for sure. Fuck yeah. For sure. It's already in the top ten fantasy horses. Okay, but, like, do okay. you dislike of any horse? Do, mm. do you truly dislike any horse? Like, in fantasy or in real life or either? Yes. I've met some horses that I, I do not get along with. But you don't dislike do them. Like, you don't. No, it's not like I actively hate them. I just, like, every day that I do not have to interact with this horse is a great day for me. Sure, okay, yeah. There are horses that are terrible, but this is not one of them. This is one of the best horses ever. This is a great horse. This is a great fucking horse. (laughs) I feel like we're in a letter Kenny skit. It's a great fucking horse, but yeah, it's a great horse. Great fucking horse. Best horse. Best fucking horse in the world. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god! And it does kind of sound like it does. Scared. We just keep saying it. <laughs> it's just true, okay? <sighs> oh my god! It's like the little Sebastian of Letterkenny. Anyways, okay, I will continue on now. <laughs> so Bix and the boy travel across this treacherous ground. There's rocky outcroppings and slippery surfaces and wet shiny rock all around them and Bix is uncomfortable because her chest is wrapped too tightly with this crude bandage and it's hard for her to breathe and the horse and the boy are both exhausted and they're just like dodging around slipping and Bix starts straining listening to the wind and trying to smell for anything familiar to determine where they are because she just doesn't know the trees are different and the air is different 
And as she's straining to listen, she thinks for just a second that she can hear her name on the wind. She goes, that's not it. That can't be, though. That's impossible. And then again, this other whisper of a breeze calling to her. And she's hearing it more loudly and more clearly. But then she kind of tumbles into this terrible thought that it's her mom calling to her, crossing across the barrier of death to reach out. And Bic slips into this memory from just a few days earlier where all of her siblings are piled around. They're all pretending to sleep, but actually listening in on their parents talking. And uh, their, their mom is saying, like, you know, if trouble comes, if it comes. And her father goes, when trouble comes. Mm-hmm. And she, they hear the mother saying, I'm worried about Bix. And her father says, why? And she goes, because she's so small. And I had this dream the other night that they came and she was the first one to die. And Bix's father was quiet for a minute and then says, I had a dream the other night too, but Bix was the last to live. And that's when they talk about the humans having a word for that. And it's called endling. And then we kind of cut away from the parents' conversation. And it's all the siblings. They're kind of stirring. And her brother assures her that, you know, oh, they wouldn't waste an arrow on you. You're too small to eat. And her eldest sister just kind of hisses in on this conversation. They don't kill us for food. They kill us for our fur. And then their parents call out, are you guys asleep? And they knew better than to answer, so they just kept quiet. Hours pass by, and finally... Bix's brother, who's only a year older, calls out, are you st- are you still here, Bix? And she goes, yeah. And he goes, don't worry, I'll protect you. And there's this moment where Bix starts introducing us to Jax, and that's her favorite brother. He's a year older than her. He's sweet and he's silly. He has one violet eye and one green eye. And he was her favorite sibling, and she was his favorite sibling. And she replies, I'll protect you too. And they fall asleep holding paws. And when Bix woke hours later, they hadn't let go. Oh. I know. <laughs> Dude, this is like the second of her brothers that has been really fucking mean to her. <laughs> like, yeah. Because there's another brother in the beginning who's all like, oh, you're too scrawny to eat or some shit like that. What is it? In my mind, it was the same brother that keeps teasing That's her. That's why I had to go back and check, but it's different brothers. <laughs> those motherfuckers i know they're so mean they're so mean i feel like most of her siblings are mean to her though and then it's just the one brother that's nice to her. yeah it's like no wonder he's your favorite he's nice to you mm-hmm. <laughs> jesus Ugh. i loved i loved the mom saying like laughing bitterly and saying like humans would have a word for like that i was just like oh you you called us out that's true because yeah. <laughs> we fucking suck uh, we do fucking suck humans are the worst Ugh. like this absolutely is just the story about how humans fucking suck mm-hmm. and it's fair mm-hmm. we do yes indeed. i get it yep yes indeed <gasps> Oh, and then the end where they just, like, fall asleep holding paws and then they wake up hours later. I love this because it comes back later. I know. I wouldn't have it a second time. I was like, oh. I know. <laughs> I love this so much. Oh, man. Catherine, this isn't fair. <laughs> <Can't>. <laughs> 
do this, Catherine. You can't, Catherine. You can't do this to us. Why? Why are you like this? I can't believe you've done this. I can't believe you've done this to us again. Like, Stop we read all of Animorphs and it hurt us a lot. And now you're just back doing this to us again. Stop hurting us. Just stop stop hurting us. Stop bullying us. <laughs> I came here to have a good time. I honestly feel so attacked right now. <laughs> stop using YA literature to bully adults. <laughs> like it's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Ugh. I love them so much. So I just love them so much. <laughs> oh man. I know that like I know it's totally different when, when they're your parents, but I do hope that on some level their kids think they're cool because <laughs> they are. Uh I wish they were my parents. <laughs> I wish they were my parents, too. But I know that if they were, I would be, like, their kids. Like, when we were talking to Michael and he was like, you know, our our daughter never calls us. We never know what's going on with her. I'm like, oh, that's me. That's what I do. <laughs> that would be you. <laughs> that would be me. So I'm like, okay, I get it. But, like. It, yeah, it would know. be. Yeah, it would be different. When they're your parents, they're not cool no matter what they do. <laughs> So, like, uh, yeah. instead, we'll just have to be unknown adults to them that are bullied through their literature. <laughs> and then podcast about how sad we are. <laughs> and then we podcast about how sad they are. <sighs> and a format that they will never listen to. <laughs> oh, God. Yep. <sighs> Man. Anyways, all right. Let's keep going here because we have a lot to get through. The horse. The horse. A horse is a horse, of course. Okay, I have to stop with that. This has been... I've been bullied with Mr. Ed in another Discord. Oh, no! It's just in my head. It's fine. <sighs> Anyways, um, so... The boy stopped the horse with a terse word and hopped down, and a second later, he pulled Bix down to her feet. They traveled forward into a cave where it was wet and dark, and Bix felt uncomfortable in there, just as the horse, who we find out his name is Valino. 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 I feel like I, I feel like everybody has kind of like an Italian sounding name, or there's kind of like an Italian sort of flavor to some of like the words in this world. Definitely surrounding the people for sure, like Merdano and the the Verde is the city, mm-hmm. and like Valino. I I feel like that's that's a whole thing. Like that's part of like the six ruling classes, right? Because Bix is not. That's not anything like like Darren's Bix. That's like yeah. a totally different thing. And like obviously like Tobble and Wabic. That's a whole other different thing. Yeah. But yeah, for like the humans, I totally agree. I think they're very like Italianish sounding. Yeah, and like they're. They're talking in a group later, and they're saying, like, some of the terms for, like, magic users, and those all sound very mm-hmm. Italian as well, so. And the the name of the city, the, well, that's more French, I guess, like, Corde, I guess it's Italian, too. Uh, Corde yeah. Scala? Corde Scala, yeah. 
That's Italian as well. French, Frenchish Italian. Uh. Yeah, I wonder. I I totally bet that all of these different verticals are based on different mm-hmm. languages. Yeah, that's so cool. So cool. that's very cool. And now I want to know them all. And I feel like if I knew more facts, I would be able to to pin them down. Yeah, but I don't. <laughs> but I don't. But I don't. But Tobble, Wabic, those are, I am right there. Those are also not one of the six dominating races, yes. Wabics, but love them. We will get to that later. Don't, yeah, we will get to that. I'm not going to say anymore. Okay, <laughs> moving right along. Yep. Uh, so, yes, they're in this cave, and Bix is uncomfortable, but so is Valino. He's very skittish. He did not like this cave. Don't like and it. I love that about The him. mines are no place for a pony. <laughs> The mines are no place for a pony. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, they travel deep into this cave before the boys stopped them and sat Bix down. And then we get... (laughs) I love this so much. He spends all this time taking care of Alino and grooming him. And okay, this is something... That never happens in fiction. The horse is there to transport, to mm-hmm. carry their shit. If you're lucky, there's some description of giving them water. But there is a full... They're like, listen, we just have to focus on taking care of Valino for a second. They groom yeah. Valino. They pick out all the knots in Valino's mane and tail. They pick out the hooves. Yeah! Oh, I was noticing that too! I was in love. <laughs> Take care of your horse. He does so much for you. Yes. And it's like, this is why you have a big, beautiful, gorgeous, well-mannered horse. Because you take care of them. <laughs> like, Oh, shit. Anyways. And also, he does all of this before sitting down to eat themselves. Yeah. So take care of your horse first. Yep. Love this. Love this so much. Okay, so I back to things that are pertinent to the story. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, after taking care of Valino, the boy sits down and begins to eat this dried meat and offering some to Bix, um, who is still tied up. And as much as Bix would have liked to refuse, she was like, I need to keep up my strength. So she allowed herself to be fed like a little puppy. Aww. And finally, the boy said, so you're Darren. And Bix automatically replies, and you're a human boy. And the human smiled and said, so I fooled you too. And Bix says, fool me. But then it hit her because when the boy said I had fooled you too, Bix realized that their voice had changed. And it was that kind of undercurrent that she had been hearing the whole time that that the boy was talking. And Bix realized that it was actually a girl. She dropped that kind of gruff voice and... Bix goes, you're female. And she goes, yeah, I figured that your sense of smell would have like already detected that. But I guess I've been in the wild for weeks and probably smell as foul as any dude. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. (laughs) So like this was amazing. Yeah. And like earlier, um, Bix was listening to to Carr's voice and Bix was like, he had two voices mm-hmm. and i was like oh like is that like a descriptive way to say like oh like he's 
reaching the age where his voice is dropping and it's like wavering in between like high and lower pitch because that's really cool. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize it had like a different meaning altogether. It did uh, my thing because, as I already told you, my my wizard stan. I was like, oh, that's like, because it was described yeah. as like an undertone of like a beautiful musical voice. I was like, oh, that's magic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That was not it, <laughs> but... <laughs> yep, I can see that, too. Yeah, I... I fucking love this. And, okay, so let me... Let's go through the rest of the chapter, okay. and then we can get back to okay. this. Um, okay, so Bix immediately apologizes. So this is another part that I fucking love, yeah. is that Bix, Bix apologizes because... She has always been raised to call things by their proper names and what they wanted to be called. Mm-hmm. So she immediately, even though she hates this girl because that's her captor, that's who's who she's blaming for dragging her away from her family and doing all this shit to her, she still apologizes for doing oh, that, oh. for misnaming her. Fucking loved that so much. Okay, sorry. Good. No, I love that too. I love that too. And she like makes a mental note to like never make that mistake again. And it's like, ah! I see what you're doing there. Right? Uh, oh, that's so... It's just so... I love this. I love this so much. And, like... I, so this is going to be terrible. Like, the pedantic part of me was like, well, okay, but she distinguishes gender by smell, but you can't necessarily, like, assume a gender based on, like, you know, a smell or, like, hormones or shit like that. But, I, I mm-hmm. like, I saw the intention, and I appreciate that. Um, yeah and i like yes for sure yes in this real world but also we're like talking about like a magical fox dog with opposable <laughs> so like yes i'll give you that yes. oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah like the fact that they were drawing attention to like yeah like i fucking hate you you're you're terrible to me but i am not going to misgender you and I will mm-hmm. work through that in the future is like so cool. Cause like somebody on the Discord mentioned that the other day too. What were they in what context? Sorry, I'm blanking um, on this I think they were talking about a celebrity that came out as non binary. Oh. And um saying like even if you don't like agree with the person, like you shouldn't misgender them. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't like I don't know, like Caitlyn Jenner, but I'm not gonna misgender her, like it's just, it's like a basic right. human decency sort of rule, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. And I just, I love this so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love it. And, like, narratively, another thing I love about this is that Bix apologizes and says, like, I won't make that mistake again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then immediately like goes back into the i'm sorry i've had very little experience with humans and i still wish that i had less than this like apologizes understands the mistake yeah. corrects herself and then is like but still i fucking yeah hate she goes like, right back I just, to it <laughs> right i just narratively it was just such a good turn yeah i got so excited about that <sighs> oh man um Okay, sorry. Let's finish this chapter and then we can go back to loving everything that's happening. <laughs> yes. So, um, the girl seems really unfazed by that. I, you know, I still wish I had less experience with humans. And she replies like, oh, I haven't really had any experience with Darren's either. You're the first one I've met. 
And Bix goes, oh, so it wasn't you that called out that Darren warning. And the girl just smiles. She goes, oh, that was me. One of the poachers taught me that. How did it sound? Like, she's having a fucking stroll through the park (laughs) on a Sunday afternoon. And Bix is raging. Bix is like, it was terrible. The pitch was all wrong. And the girl goes, oh, well, maybe you could teach me sometime. And Bix goes, what? So you can try to capture more of us if there's any more of us left? And finally, the girl seems somewhat abashed by this. And there's this moment of silence before she goes, do you have a name? And Bix goes, do you? And the girl introduces herself as Kara. She goes, but I've been called boy, guide, or hey, you. (laughs) And (laughs) Bix goes, are humans so stupid that they can't tell the difference between male and female? And Kara explains that humans see what they want, but she had adopted this whole male persona because... Being a girl meant that there was so much that she couldn't do. So she had to disguise herself to live and to have this sort of freedom. And Bix doesn't really understand because this isn't a thing in the Darren culture. Mm-hmm. Male and female doesn't matter. It's all about like your size and your skill. And so she's she's not getting it, but she does get the sense that Kara is letting her in on this huge secret. And that meant that Kara was extending some trust to her. And Bix did not extend that same trust to Kara, but Bix was no longer afraid, so she introduces herself and tells Kara her name. I love it. I love it so much. That was such a fucking good chapter. (laughs) Oh, I I mean, they're they're all good, but... Okay, can I just redo this this exchange? Yes. Yes, please. Okay, so it was... So... Uh, Kara's talking about girls aren't allowed to do a lot of things. And um, Bix says, I am female. I have no reason not to be. And Kara says, lucky. And then Bix says, I'm not feeling lucky. I just, I love that. There's like so much going on. There is so much going on. Yeah, like there's, I love, I love, I am female. I have no reason not to be. And there's, there's kind of like a discussion of privilege there. And, but also kind of the circumstances of like, like, this is not the topic at hand, like, you still captured me and I don't feel lucky right now. And like, like, I, I don't know. It's, it's so complicated. Something just occurred to me when you were saying okay. that. And it's that feeling that happens, I think, a lot in real life, but I have not run across it a lot in books. And maybe it's just what I read, so I don't know for sure, but... That feeling that or that when you are having a conversation with somebody where you are talking about two different things, even though it sounds like you're having a conversation. So Kara is focused on I am like I am being female. This is my society, blah, blah, blah. And Bix is railing against being captured, railing against Kara all of that kind of stuff and suffering from her family no longer living. Mm-hmm. And so they are both having this conversation, but talking about two entirely different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, now that I'm saying this out loud, I feel like we've said this before in an Animorphs book <gasps> about a conversation that was going really? on. Really? I'm just getting this vague deja vu feeling. I can't I could not pinpoint it, but I'm just getting that feeling. I anyways, it's just it's a it's a really cool thing because I feel like in stories so much of the time, because this is a structure of writing like from one mind, so much of the time it's very much of we're all on the same page, even if like they're not narratively when they're having conversations. 
the misunderstandings are huge or they're not there at all. Mm -hmm. And like this kind of subtle shift is, I think, really rare. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I love it. I love it so much. I love it so much. Why is this so good? I don't know. Damn it. Oh, my God. It's so good. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I I am still not over the whole, the whole I will not misgender you anymore. That is just so good. Yeah. I love that so much. Yep. And maybe 20 years from now, we'll look back on it just like Gefinilin and Myrtle and be like, wow, that was clumsy and awkward and weird. But I fucking love the strides being made mm-hmm. here. Yes. Ah, so good. And, okay. like, Sorry. And like, okay, <laughs> but like to that, I love when authors put that kind of stuff into like a different context. Like, what am I trying to say? Like, this isn't a children's book about, you know, like, gender pronouns. Like, this isn't, like, an instruction book on, like, this is how you don't misgender somebody. It's just, like, kind of a casual thing in a fantasy book. And I just love that. Like, I love, uh, I just, I don't know. No, I, I totally know what you mean. Like, we are making a, a deal of something that was not a throwaway, but a, just a detail in a broader narrative. Because to us, like, I feel like it's something that, like, we're passionate about. Like, we really love seeing something like that. But, like, the first several chapters of, of this book was written from a perspective that we did not know whether they were male or female. And that wasn't something that was, like, touched upon or a part of the story. It just didn't matter to the narrative. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's such a cool thing. And then this is such a cool thing. And you're right. Like, it's not... It's... It's making it digestible to kids. And it's not hitting us over the head with it either. It's just a detail that serves the narrative. But it's so cool that it's Yeah, it's, like, normalizing it. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Oh, man. Love this book. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get to this next chapter. <laughs> I'm excited. He's here. Shit starts popping off. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, so Bix wakes up with a start, and she can hear Kara's loud breathing, sounding like some sort of like frog snort thing. Love it. And she's like, "Do all humans breathe like that? That's weird." Um, but then under that layer of noise, she can hear a soft scrabbling and she goes, oh, is that, is that a rat in here? But then she realizes, no, that's a Wobbick. I heard a light dang it. No, I said David. Oh. <laughs> no. No. Get out of this No. Book. No, it's a Wobbick. It's a Wobbick. It's a much better character. It's a fluffier, beautiful, wonderful character who we should all be happy to have, unlike David, that piece of shit. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so, Tobble is back. He's a good boy, and he's back. Beautiful Tobble, beautiful, wonderful Tobble. Tobble, baby, Tobble, baby, Tobble, baby, Tobble. <laughs> God damn it. 
Uh, so she catches Tobble's eye and makes this kind of like gesture, like quiet, because uh, they couldn't afford to wake up Kara. And Tobble creeps up behind Bix and sees that that Bix is tied up. And with his little delicate paws and teeth, he liberates her and then leads her out of the cave. And once they're outside, Tobble starts to ask these leading questions like, did that girl plan on killing you? <laughs> and Bix is like, wait, you knew she was a girl? And Tobble's like, yes, of course. But more importantly, did she plan on killing you? And Bix was like, no, I don't think she was planning on killing me. And Tobble's like, God damn it, I haven't fulfilled the code. <laughs> I love him so much. He has a very strong character arc that he is committed to. Oh Honestly, there are times where Tobble reminds me a little bit of Axe. I Aww. I don't know I don't know how to explain it, but just I don't know. Some of his mannerisms I'm just like <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe it's his formality or his like his sticking to his like Wabic code. I don't know. Maybe it's things like that. But he's he reminds me a little bit of Axe and I love that. That could totally be it because they he is so unfailingly polite. He is. (laughs) (sighs) Man. But yes. He cannot he cannot count this as a rescue. He cannot count well, he can count it as a rescue, but he cannot count it as he has saved yeah. Bix from death. And that is very upsetting. But he does get over it somewhat quickly and asks where they're going. And Bix has no fucking idea. So she's like, I don't even know where we are. And Tobble kind of says, Well, we're somewhere between the forest of Null and like these marshes. And Bix is heard about the forest of null since she was a little pup and it's not good happy stories it's all terrible terrible bad stories so um tobble's not willing to contribute any sort of plan about where they're going so bix is just like okay let's head to the marshes because they are not the terrible forest so they march off through these marshes and they're going for hours and they eventually find themselves slogging through this mud that pulled at their feet and made it hard to walk and exhausted them And Bix is going, yeah, Kara could track us, but Valino won't travel through this, so suckers. (laughs) Um, And they march and march and march. And this gives Bix a lot of time to think. And at first, she's thinking about Tobble and how tired he must be. And there's this whole conversation, too, about, like, I'll carry you. And Tobble's like, no, you're injured. No, I will walk. It's fine. And then starts talking himself up. I love that so much because, like, before he just climbed on her back without her permission. And he was just like, yeah, okay, here we go. But now he's he's being all nice about it. He is. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love it when love books have, like, a similar scene later on in the book, but it's different. Like, I just I fucking love it. I love mirroring scenes like that. Yeah. Well, that's good, because there's a lot of that in this book. (laughs) And I love every single one of them. Yeah, they're all so good. They're all to very great effect, Mm -hmm. and I love Mm -hmm. it. Anyway. Oh, man. Yeah, and, like, this isn't even, like, a large injury, but Tobble's just like, no, you got got arched in the the body. (laughs) You took an arrow to the knee. (laughs) You took an arrow to the knee. (laughs) You were broken. Anyways, um... So, yeah, so they, they're having that conversation. They have a conversation about maybe heading back to the, the bear hive. 
because maybe they could do like a death ritual thing. And Tobble doesn't argue with this, but Bix doesn't feel like it's right either. So then she starts thinking about her parents' plan to head north and, and starts wondering if she's the last Darren in this area and maybe the whole land. And she just starts feeling more alone than ever before. Uh, and then finally they wear themselves out. So they decide to stop for the night. They climb up into a tree. Tobble starts grooming himself for like 0.5 seconds before passing out. And Bix starts thinking like, that's fine. I'll take the first watch. And then she starts having these repeated thoughts of like, don't fall asleep. First watch, don't fall asleep. First watch. And slowly she drifts off to sleep. I, okay, one thing I love about all of these early chapters is in almost all of them, the transitions are into passing out, falling asleep. Mm -hmm. And it just creates this, like, really, like, it, like, feels like a much more realistic transition or like a much more cinematic transition than like a normal kind of book. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I really liked it. (sighs) Okay. Oh, yes. This next chapter. (laughs) So much. So much. (laughs) It's so much. Okay. Let's get to it. Okay. Bix suddenly wakes up to something slithering over her, and she realizes it's a snake. A snake. And she screams, a, a danger noodle. And <laughs> and she screams, but already she's being coiled up in this giant monster's body, and its skin felt cold against her like a dead thing. And she wakes up Tobble screaming, and Tobble cries out, I'll save you, and leaps towards her, and bites down on the oh snake with his little little tobble teeth so cute um so cute but it's a giant snake so all that happens is that another snake drops down and wraps a coil of itself around tobble's neck like a noose and then pulls him away and bick starts crying out for help knowing that there was nobody around to hear them and then a sardonic voice rang out are you sure you want help (laughs) and bix had hoped never to hear that voice again And yet when she heard it, she was relieved and overjoyed. And she goes, yes. Uh, But of course, Kara made her swear not to try and escape again. Like basically Kara, while Bix is being crushed by this giant snake, is going like, well, if I save you, are you going to not, you're going to promise me that you're not going to try to escape again? And Bix is just like, yes, yes, I have no choice. (laughs) So Kara makes her promise all sorts of things. Um, And then once satisfied, Kara draws out her sword And Bix was amazed because this rusted, crooked sword that she had seen before was now this gleaming instrument with a jewel-encrusted handle. And Kara brought it down on the tail of the snake that was holding Bix and said, I have no quarrel with the snakes, but you must let my friends go or the next slice will be your head. And there's this pause. And then a snake drops down towards Kara's head. And before Bix can even yell out a warning, Kara slices up and slices the snake in two. And it falls down on either side of her. Oh my god. It's so good. (laughs) And then the trees come alive and the ground comes alive. And it's like everything around them is moving and nothing is made of solid matter. As all of the snakes descend towards Kara. And she becomes a blur of movement, slicing and pirouetting and dodging and leaping. And her sword looks like a 
shooting star in this mess of blood and guts that's running freely as all of the snakes are attacking her. Uh, But the snake that is wrapped around Bix has not relented, and Bix can feel the blood rushing to her head and her body compressing. And when Kara finally gets a moment to turn her attention towards them, the snake opens its mouth wide and puts its entire jaw over Bix's head, giving Bix a really good view of its glistening fangs. It closes down on her head, trying to make a play to stop Kara from killing it, thinking that she can't kill the snake without also killing Bix. But it doesn't stop Kara. Kara brings her sword down on the giant snake's head, cuts right through it, stopping millimeters from Bix's snout. And then the snake's grip on Bix lessens, and the remaining smaller snakes begin to retreat now that this monster one is killed. And Bix is struggling to free her head from the snake's mouth that's now dead and just kind of wrapped around her. The one that was holding Tobble let him go, and he hit the ground next to Kara's feet. And she demanded to know what he was and who he was, and he wouldn't say anything. So Bix is still struggling to get this dead snake off of her own head, and Kara says, well, then I guess we'll just call you dinner. And Bix cries out, no, he's a friend. And Kara thought about this for a second before saying, well, I suppose we shall feast on Serpent instead. This is so badass! She's such a badass! Such a badass! God, she just laid waste to all these nope ropes. She fucked up to... She fucked up all the snakes. Yeah! Like, all of that. She murdered all the snakes. She straight up... (laughs) Oh my god, like... When I tell you I did not expect this, I cannot overstate that I did not. Like, I was like, oh, of course Kara's going to find them. Like, that was a foregone conclusion. The fact that she would find them, her sword would magically turn into this insane weapon, and that she would be, like, one of the most prolific fighters ever. That I did not expect. It was so easy to her. Yeah. Like, she didn't struggle at all. She was just like, all right, fuck all of you. Like, like the confidence there. She must be, like, one of the most powerful beings in the land. I have a prediction that she's, like, nobility or something. That's, okay, okay, remember when I said they're gonna be dealing with a princess? Yeah. Okay. This, this I was, like... Correct. Yeah. <laughs> she came down in a bubble, dude. <laughs> Sorry. You're going to tell me you're wrong? <laughs> Her sister was a witch. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, there's, yeah, she's fucking like She-Ra over here. She, I swear to God, she is, she is a princess or close to, and like, I think it's kind of implied later that she's at least from nobility. Yeah. Well, and she's got a fucking nice horse, too. Got a great got horse. Got a great, beautiful, powerful horse. Magic sword. Magic sword. Real good at fighting. She's like a female Aragorn. <gasps> like, I, I can... I can not be seen if I wish. Oh, my God. Like, what if that's her art? Right? And she's like... She, yeah, like, what if she's like... The Murdano's daughter or some shit, and she, like, ran away, and, and she's trying to, like, fucking just chill with the elves and run away Maybe. from her destiny. 
Casey. So this next chapter, a little bit of spoilers for like five minutes from now. (laughs) The next chapter is where they talk about all of their ages. And she talks about how she's like 14, (gasps) but she seems much older. Maybe this is a whole thing. Like she's from the Dunedain line where she's going to live to like 300. And that's why she doesn't say the age length (laughs) of humans. Uh, I definitely (laughs) thought you were going to be like, she's of marrying age. And that's what she said. Yeah, well, yeah. Like, I thought you were going like, she's of marrying age. And she she was like a noble person. And then she's like, eh, fuck that. I'm not getting married. And she runs away. But. Yes, like Aragorn. uh, Yes. Because she loved an elf. She loved an elf. She loved an elf. Oh my god. She has the sword of of ah! <laughs> the sword of Elendil or whatever. The sword that was broken, it is forged anew. <laughs> what, what the it's, What was the sword called? Elendil, I think. No, that's the light of Elendil. What was the sword called? Uh someone's screaming at us right now. See, this is whenever we me. think of these things, I just imagine somebody screaming at me. Yeah. And then I can't think of anything because I'm just imagining people screaming at their podcatcher right now while we try to remember the name of Aragorn's This is going to drive me fucking nuts. I am. Just let's Google yeah. it. Aragorn's sword. Enduril. Yes. Enduril. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> My mom sent me a message that says aim high, and I thought she said am high. <laughs> I'm like, Mom, are you smoking pot? Mom, getting high. Tell her to dial in. Let's oh talk about <laughs> YA fantasy novels with her while she's fucking blitzed. Shit. <laughs> okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. Back to this. Is the weed that she... I'm going to just immediately self-insert here, say chewed up and put on Bix's wound, King's foil, <gasps> a weed, unless you're a king. Oh, is that what, is that what it was? I, I don't know, but like I, in this new fiction that we have created where Kara is female Aragorn, I think so. Oh. Valino is Brego. Oh my God. His breakup. Oh my god. Okay, we have to stop. <laughs> Listen, we? we know Catherine loves Lord of the Rings. Gondor Industries. Gondor Industries. Okay, yes. Also, um, this is not related to the fan fiction that we're writing. Um, isn't Kara also their daughter's name, their eldest daughter's name? Who? Is it Clara or Kara? Catherine and Michael. Uh, uh, Clara. Yeah. Clara. Okay. Sorry. I was just in my own head. I just had that thought of like, is this an insert of children into the story? Doesn't matter. Female Aragorn. I am (laughs) saying it now. I'm putting my stake in the ground. Female Aragorn. Yes. This is the start of my dissertation. Okay. I love this. Let's chase this. Let's chase this dream. (laughs) She is leading the main characters of the story to Rivendell. 
I mean, the Italian man. I mean, this is like when Aragorn fought the the Nazgul on Weathertop. Yes. Did you already say yes? That? Okay. No. You're just picking up what yeah, I'm yeah, putting yeah. down now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Tavel is completely a hobbit. Aversion to making fires. Oh. Also like Aragorn. Oh my god. Tavel. We need to stop writing Okay, this okay. What happens next? Okay, sorry. Okay, so. Kara doesn't even bother tying them up as she leads them back to the cave. Like, where are they going to go anyways? They all know that. So they're just following her back. And when they get there, exhausted, they see Valino, who Winnie's a greeting at them because he's the greatest horse ever. Yeah. And I love him. Yeah. Okay. And despite her earlier hesitancies, Kara risks a fire at this point and begins to cook some of the snake meat that they got from murdering all the snakes. <laughs> and... Bix and Kara immediately dig into it, but Tobble wouldn't touch it. And they're both like, come on, come on, eat some, eat some. And he is super polite. He goes, no, no, thank you. I'm fine. It's it's totally fine. I am not hungry. It's great. And eventually, after harassing him for a long time about not eating, he goes, oh, it's, you know, it's just that Wobbix don't eat meat. Uh, it looks great. It's fine. I'm totally good. I'm not hungry at all. Don't worry. And Kara's like, oh, I can go find you something else to eat. And Tobble's like, no, 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 I'm t- I'm not even hungry. Totally good. And then his stomach growls like crazy. And Kara's like, I will go get you food. Don't try to escape. <laughs> so she goes out to the front of the cave. They kind of have this like, oh, God, are we going to escape? No, she's right there. It's all right. We better stay here. We promised anyways. Um, and Kara comes back with a ball of centipedes and leaves and grass. <laughs> This is apparently exactly what Topple likes to eat. He scarfed down this ball of centipedes and starts, like, nomming the leaves like crazy. Um, Now that they've all had something to eat, they kind of start asking questions of each other. And it's a very hesitant exchange. Like, nobody really wants to give up information, except for Topple. He doesn't seem to give a shit. But... (laughs) Bix and, and Kara don't want to don't want to give up too much information about each other because they don't know what they're going to use against each other. And so they just start like asking like ages and things like that. And so we find out that Tobble is 42, which is the human equivalent of eight, because Wabik lived for like ever. <laughs> and we find out that Bix is 11 and that Darren's have very similar lifetimes to human. So young. Um, they're so they're babies. They're little babies. <laughs> um, and Kara says that she is 14, which is old enough to get married and then some. And she stares off into the middle distance. Kara, uh, <laughs> uh, um, I think, actually gives up a lot. Like, mm-hmm. Bix says throughout the story how much Kara, like, doesn't reveal much about herself but yeah. like i think kara says a lot of shit about herself. yeah i agree with that it's just yeah it's just kind of disguised um so yeah so kara reveals that she had once had a life that had many options for her to choose from but now she lives taking jobs as a guide for poachers disguised as a boy and bix asks, like wait a second but what's up with that sword of yours and kara's like that's a story for another day so instead, we launch into this, all right, fine. If that's a story for another day, then tell us where we're being taken. And Kara's 
she's kind of talking it up like really weirdly. She's like, I guess you guys have a right to know. And like, I guess even if I didn't tell you, you'd know I was lying and blah, blah, blah. And Tabo's like, wait, hold up. What do you mean we would know that if you were lying? And Kara's like, well, because the Darren, they can they can sense when you're lying and they can't lie themselves. They have an inability to lie and they know when people are lying to them. And Tobble's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like Tobble is the one that is like, you can what? Wait. So if I lie, you know, (laughs) and Bix just kind of smiles at him like, yeah. (laughs) And Tobble's like, oh my God. (laughs) And I don't know why, because Tobble has done nothing wrong. He's just very upset that he can't lie. Yeah. Oh, Tobble. Tobble, I love you. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, yeah, so they, they have this long conversation about that, and they talk a little bit about what it feels like when people lie. Like, they're like, so, like, when people tell you the untruths, what, what do you feel? And, and Bix kind of explains a little bit, like, of, you know, it feels like when you hear a bird mimicking another bird's call, where it sounds right, but you can just sense that something is off. And so then they have that conversation and uh, eventually circle back to the whole, where are we going anyways? And Kara goes, all right, I'll tell you. And I promise I'll tell you the truth. And Bix goes, I'll be the judge of that. (laughs) (laughs) Which I loved. The sass on that one. I love that Bix, like, very much wants to trust Kara and, like, is friendly with her. But then all of a sudden she'll have these, like, stutters of, like, oh, by the way, I hate you. By the way, you still kidnapped me and I hate you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I love it. Okay, so we find out that they're going to Cora di Scola. So yeah, this is totally Italian. I lied about everything I said about French before. This is absolutely Italian. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. I f- it's fine. It means the heart of the scholar, because it's an island that's shaped like a heart, and it's full of scholars. <laughs> Ta-da! Uh, it's fine. <laughs> it's... I mean, listen, sometimes you just got to be straightforward. <laughs> sometimes you got to be little. Um, yeah, you it's know, fun. sometimes it's just the truth. <laughs> so Kara starts revealing that she intends to take Bix into the heart of the city and to a man named Ferrucci. And he's a scientist scholar and Kara seems to... Th- be pretty sure that he's going to treat Bix well because he's going to want to keep her alive. And both Tobble and Bix are like, excuse me, the fuck, you're going to sell me to a dude? (laughs) And Kara's like, Kara starts walking this very fine line where she's clearly trying to convince herself. She's like, listen, I'm not selling you. I am bringing you to the scientist. And if he sees fit to give me a reward, I'm not going to say no. (laughs) And, like, Bix is like, okay, well, that's fucked. But another concern. You're taking me into, like, a Murdano city. This is where the Murdano are from. And Kara explains to us a little bit about how, like, okay, it's not the soldiers, though. And Bix is like, I don't don't know what the difference is. It's the Murdano. It's bad. We don't like them. They're shitty. They kill us. They suck. (laughs) And this is where Kara is like, no, 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 you don't understand. There's the soldiers. The soldiers are not allowed into the city because the city is for scientists. And Murdano isn't an army. Murdano is a person that rules the army. And Murdano thinks that they rule all of the free land. 
And we find out a little bit, like, just a very few throwaway details about how, like, Murdano's the one that's been pushing this kind of anti-feminist agenda. Like, females used to be able to learn a little bit of magic, but now that's outlawed. And, like, Murdano just, like, is passing all these laws and, and making themselves the grand ruler of everything, even though not all people believe that they are. So we get a little bit of flavor mm. of that. Bix is just like, this place all sucks. Bix does not care for these details. It's like, whatever. And um, Tobble, of course, jumps in and is like, you won't take my friend to the city. You will not sell her, even if she has the softest hair. <laughs> Bix is like, or Tobble's like f- fucking standing up for Bix. Tobble will not deal with this. I love him. Tobble the terrible. <laughs> Tobble the terrible. Yes, that's what he tells her next. So um, Kara's kind of saying like, Tobble, no, I'm, I'm taking her to a place that like, we can't keep Bix safe, but if anybody can find a safe haven for a Darren, it's Ferrucci. And Tobble's like, you don't want to cross me. At home, I'm known as Tobble the Terrible, and I have quite the temper. <laughs> and like, Kara's trying to hide her smile at this tiny, threatening ball of fluff. <laughs> He's great. Um, He's amazing. I love him so much. Okay. Um, So, yeah. So, uh, Kara's basically just saying, like, please, you you have to understand. Like, I think this is the best solution for everybody. And then Kara starts to say, like, you guys, like, you understand. You love your families, right? And Tobble is like, of course. And Bix is like, my family is all dead. You fucking got them killed. And... Kara tries to continue and she's like, please understand, I have to provide for my family. And Bix keeps going like, oh, all my family's dead. So I don't really give a shit. And then Bix goes, well, why don't you sell your sword if you're in such dire straits? And Kara goes, no, no, no. This sword has been in my family for generations. I am the first female to have it and I would die before this sword leaves my side. And none of this conversation reassures Bix, who's like, I just don't want to go to the city. I have to find another way out. And they leave this chapter on this very unresolved note. Wee. But then we get this next beautiful chapter. Okay. So this is one of the most beautiful, cutest chapters oh, yeah. in this part two. So nothing is resolved. They kind of have these conversations on and off. And later that night, they are sleeping around the fire. Or at least they're trying to. Kara's asleep. And Bix and Tobble should have been, but they they just couldn't fall asleep there. So Tobble calls out to Bix and asks if she's scared. And Bix says, yeah, I am. But you're really brave. What were you thinking biting that snake? And Tobble goes, I wasn't. <laughs> like Very matter of fact, I was not oh. thinking. And Bix starts asking Tobble a little more about his home life. And so we find out that his parents probably weren't worried about him because they misplaced children all the oh, time. No. Um, Wabix have eight litters a year. And last he checked, he had 120-something Jesus siblings. fucking Christ. Yes. And apparently they, like, never leave the home, really. They just kind of dig more tunnels and share more spaces. They just, like, continue to expand. And Bix was like, this is blowing my mind right now. <laughs> and, like, Tobble's like, that's not even anything. You should you should see when we have a stibulary. And Bix is like, what the fuck is a stibulary? And 
So Tobble is like, oh, it's a ceremony that we undertake when we turn 43. And if we've done something brave, then we're allowed to braid our three tails together. It's the the only time we're allowed to do it is if we are 43 and older and have done a brave thing. And Tobble concludes this whole thing about this ceremony by saying, I just can't wait to get back to my family. And then he realizes what he said, and he starts apologizing repeatedly to Bix, who keeps saying, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, even though her lower lip is starting to tremble. Um, and then Talbot's like, oh, I, I grabbed something for you at the bear cave. I don't, I don't even know why I grabbed it. I, it just pulled at me, and so I grabbed it and here. And so he produces from his pouch a bunch of leaves, first of all, which are not necessary to this story. <laughs> he just has a bunch of leaves of in his pouch. And then he pulls out a pink shell a braided pup toy, and a small piece of paper that Bix recognized. And it's a map that she drew herself. And it was leading her to the place that the Darrens originally landed, according to a poem that was passed down. And there's a little bit of detail about how she could barely read it, because even though Darrens learn to write, it's not a skill that they use a lot because they're on the run so so often that they don't have a lot of like writing and literature, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's it's chicken scratch, but Bix is able to start to see it. And so she starts reciting the poem to Tobble. That, that's where she got the area where the Darrens first landed and where they might be in the north. And partway through, she thinks Tobble's starting to fall asleep. So she looks over at him, sees him breathing deeply. And so she stops, and then he reaches out to grab her paw. And Bix takes it and says quietly that she wished she had died with her family. And Tobble says, don't say that. And then he promises that he's going to protect her. And Bix found herself saying that she would protect him. And she had that moment where she was reminded of her brother and what felt like a lifetime ago. And then they fell asleep holding paws. A found family! Found family! Oh, no, it's so cute! It's so good! Oh, shit. Yep, I died. <laughs> it's just so it's just so I didn't even realize it was found family until you just said it now I realize why I love it it's so much so good. it is so good oh I love them oh I love them so much oh yep and now that we're on this thread I love that it's found family from both the perspective of someone who lost all their family and somebody that's in such a big family that sometimes they feel lost. I know! (laughs) No family, too much family. And now they have found family. It's so great. It's so good. (sighs) Catherine. Uh, Catherine. Don't at me right now, Catherine. <laughs> why why do you do this to us? Continuously. Yeah. Like, what do you have against us personally? <laughs> why do you want to ruin our lives? Why do you why do you hurt me in this way? <laughs> Oh, my God. Like, just because you introduce us to another group of Animorphs fans and have become our found family in the way that your books <laughs> describe doesn't mean you can continually do this to me. 
<laughs> oh shit. Ah, uh, fucking hell. Well. Okay. So now we get introduced to the character that I fondly wrote down his name, but only remember in my mind as Gambit. <laughs> I was supposed to immediately distrust and not like this character and I'm like oh my god I love you and I trust you with everything I have (laughs) because gambit (laughs) oh my god immediately fell in love with this character immediately and he has a dog he has a dog and for but a moment he had a horse (laughs) Our, our favorite horse, Felina. Oh, my God. Okay. I I feel like I did not do this chapter justice, so we will need to talk about okay. this afterwards. But let me, let me summarize. <laughs> so early the next morning, Kara leads them down to a stream to collect water because she tells them it's going to be a long day of traveling and they're not going to have places to stop and get water along the way. And so they head back after collecting this and... All of a sudden, Bix freezes because she smells something and then corrects to someone, someone who is male and a dog, and she stops. And Kara goes, what is it? And Bix is like, a dude and a dog. Dude and a dog. And a dude and a dog. And so Kara goes, Tobble, Bix, get behind that boulder, hide, do not reveal yourselves. And so they did, and they watch as Kara starts slinking along, taking out the knife and getting ready only to be taken out by a large dog <laughs> jumping on her. And she gets knocked down, and it seems like she's unconscious. So Bix and Tobble, just without thinking, rush towards her. But then Kara starts stirring, and the entire scene is interrupted by this dude who's just leading Valino along. Like, what up? <laughs> just casually stealing this and horse. And Kara... <laughs> casually stealing this horse. Just cool as a cucumber leading this horse. And Kara goes, you thief. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> and I was like, I'm in I love. love. I'm in love. Great. This guy, I love this man. So he's like, yeah, what's up? I'm a thief. <laughs> and uh, and then he's like, my dog found this horse. And I thought the owner had died. So fuck it. I'm taking it. And Kara is like a front. This is totally going to be her love interest. I'm yeah, sure of it. Yeah. Um, so Kara's like affronted. She's like, what the fuck? That's my horse. And then uh, the guy just goes, hey, that's a interesting dog you have walking on two legs all upright and everything. You're going to you're going to make that dog walk like a dog instead of a not dog. <laughs> and Bix immediately drops down to the ground, hides the, her opposable thumbs and even allows this this man's dog, whose name is Dog. Yes. And he's like, if it's. Doesn't it? It's perfect. perfect. This is my dog, dog. And she even lets dog come up and sniff her all over until she growls at him to back off. And this is where, like, the guy who introduces himself as Renzo. Again, that whole, like, yeah, I'm a thief. You can call me Renzo. That's my real name. I don't care. I'm just that good of a thief. (laughs) Like, I'm in love with this man. And this is the entirety of his presence in the book is this chapter. So for you. Anyways. Uh, he, yeah, well, he so that's true of the back. part two. I will. 
He fucking better. If he never comes back, I'm gonna, I'm literally going to at yeah. Catherine. Be like, what happened to Renzo? What Where the fuck? Is he? Where is Renzo? Hashtag Excuse me. Excuse me. Bring Renzo back. Hashtag where is Renzo? <laughs> Um, so then, like, Renzo's basically like, all right, I can see that I'm not super welcome here, but then offers to buy Kara's sword, and she, like, goes into this very, like, this is the sword of my family, and I will not lose it to you, and he's like, oh, sweet, I had a sword, I, I gambled it away, and I lost <laughs> it, my bad, you sure you don't want to sell yours? And Kara's like, absolutely not, and he's like, all right, see you when our paths cross again. And Kara's like, I hope our paths will never cross again. And Renzo's like, okay, see you when they cross again. Goodbye, and walks away. He is amazing. Okay, my favorite part is that he, like, shows up out of the blue with the horse, and he's, like, eating a pear. And fucking Kara's like, explain yourself or you'll find this pear in your stomach, and it won't be because you ate it. And I was like, excuse me? (laughs) So much. And then she fed his pear to the horse. <laughs> in front so of him. Good shit. Oh my god. I love it so much. I'm in love with this man. I love He's him. So good. <laughs> He's so good. He is like such a small character in this part of the book and immediately like he walked onto screen and i was like oh well i'm in love <laughs> this is it i felt it i know i know what it feels oh my like God. so yeah renzo the, the best bomb. the bomb and i was immediately like of course this is yep. gambit of course so as soon as he's like, you thief. Yep. Yes. <laughs> that is oh me. God. I am thief. This is, I am thief. This is my dog. Dog. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, fuck. So great. good. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Um, now starts the traveling montage. Yep. So uh, this this chapter ends with the the one with Renzo. The chapter ends with Kara just turning to Bix after he left and said, "Assume everybody is out to get you. Everyone, <laughs> trust no one." Cut to the next chapter. Trust no one. Um, they so the three of them start traveling and they they have this almost like montage where they're just like traveling along the road under the stars not thinking about the future or the past just being in the moment and they just take turns riding Valino whenever they get tired and eventually uh, Valino comes to really like Tobble and Bix because like they obviously are are cool but also they keep grabbing flowers from him off the side of the road and then eventually Valino becomes extremely fond of Tobble I okay I don't know if this is like Disney conditioning in my brain, but the idea of the horse and the small squirrel, beautiful foxy sidekick character being BFFs. <laughs> it's like it's like major like raccoon hummingbird friend vibes. Oh to me. yeah. And I fucking yeah. love that. I love it. So I love oh it my so God. much. I hope we so, get a scene uh, later yeah. where Tobble rides Felino into battle. There is no way that doesn't that happen. That has to happen. <laughs> it has oh to happen. God. 
There is no world in which Tobble does not ride Valino into battle. It's <gasps> true. And Valino kicks ass for his friend Tobble. Oh, a friendship for the ages. I'm in, I'm in love. I'm in love with all of this. Like, oh my god. Now this is even better. Okay. Anyways. Okay, back to what we were doing. Sorry. So, one day, they like in this travel montage, they have one day where Tobble starts asking what everybody thinks Felino is thinking about. And first of all, <laughs> Exactly the type of question that gets asked on a road trip. for sure. For sure. And Kara immediately starts, like, going into this whole, ugh, Valina only has two thoughts. I'm hungry, and I'm not hungry. (laughs) And Tobble's like, how fucking dare you? How do you know just because he's not one of the major six species of the world and because he can't talk that he's not thinking of the big questions and blah, 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 blah. And this is all interrupted by Felino taking a particularly nasty poop. Poop jokes! And a literal poop joke in the book. Trisha would be enraged. <laughs> she would not like this at all. So, yes, that Love happens. Um, of course. <laughs> Uh, and then we, like, kind of cut back from this scene to Bix noticing as the days go by that Kara seems to be in better and better spirits. And then finally, like, when she seems kind of comfortable almost, uh, Bix says, so you're not afraid of the poachers anymore? And Kara starts to explain, like, no, we're getting towards the city and poachers are outlawed. So, like, we're not completely safe here, but we are much safer here as, like, you know, as we're going into populated areas. And Bix starts asking questions like, oh, do you have family nearby? And Kara's like, in a manner of speaking. And then like, do you have friends nearby? I don't have friends. And Tobble is like, fuck that. Everybody has friends. How fucking dare you? I I love Tobble's outrage (laughs) at that. Tobble is constantly like, Tobble does not love Kara's whole serious manner of being. And I love that. Um, And then finally, they hit a point on their travels where Kara says, all right, now I have to go back into my disguise and be a boy again. And Bix is like, that's not fair. It shouldn't matter what you are. Um, But the outrage was soon forgotten because Kara said, not only that, but you get to act like a dog now. And Bix was like, what the actual fuck? (laughs) Yay! Yay! Humiliation. Super Humiliation. Um, so they continue their trek for days, and Bix is pretending to be a dog, and she was pet so many times. Like, they keep passing, like, caravans, and even at one point they passed some knights yeah. or whatever, and, like, they reached down and scratched Bix, and, like, she's like, this is humiliating. But then she does admit to herself deep down that it's pretty pleasant, though, actually. People treat dogs oh. pretty good. Like... Yeah, she got food and scritches, and she was like, all right, like, in a way, this is all right. <laughs> um, but as they approach the city, the sights and the smells start to overwhelm her. Like, at first, it's, like, just people, and then it's people and urine, and then it's, like, people and urine and spices, and Bix is like, what the fuck is all of this? And since Bix couldn't talk out loud, like, when there was people around... They developed a sort of communication between them where, like, if Bix had a question, she would look at Kara and, like, 
make a kind of gesture or an expression and Kara would answer like whatever it was. And then they would ask questions out loud and Bix might gently nod or shake her head. And so they figured out this kind of like whole system as they were traveling, which I really love this kind of team building Mm -hmm. exercise they've got going on. It's a beautiful bonding moment. Um, But one day as they were traveling, Kara begins to sing this song and it's kind of in her male voice where it's like, weirdly gruff but she's singing a song that's about the six dominant species and it's it's kind of one of those like this is where the panther people go and this is where the raptor people go and this is where these people go and this is where the humans go and she doesn't do the verse about the darn and so it's tobble that asks about it i think and um eventually kara's like you guys don't know this verse about the Darren? Like, do you, Bix, do you not know the verse about the Darren? And, and Bix doesn't. Like, she knows the lore of her people, but she doesn't know this kind of human version of it. And it turns out that in this this song, they talk about how the Darren can travel anywhere and are welcome at any table. And Kara explains that comes from long ago. The Darren used to be welcome everywhere. They didn't have to stick to a specific land like all of the other races or whatever. Um, because they were highly valued everywhere and their ability to tell a lie from the truth was highly valued. And so they, they weren't hunted, they weren't persecuted. And this kind of like hits Bix in a weird way. Like she doesn't really know what to do with this information. It just kind of sketches her out a little bit. Um, so then they keep traveling and finally a couple days later they make it into the city where there's a bay that is filled with ships. And Bix is very proud that she can recognize many of these from Dalinor's teachings. And she kind of feels a pang of longing for her family and her elders and all that stuff. And she's like, what I wouldn't give to have my family around around me right now. So they start traveling around these planks. It's kind of like gangways where like there's certain directional flows of traffic. So they kind of have to puzzle their way around until they finally find the boat that they're looking for that will take them from the city Verte over to the, the Cor d'Escalar. And uh, they finally find this boat and Kara asks to board and whoever this dude guarding it is asks who she was. She says, Kara Melisandra. And the guard goes, Melisandra, like, who are you? Like, that's a name. That's a name that we know. And Kara tries to big dog him a little bit. <laughs> He's like, why don't you like, why don't you have a pass if you're from such a big family? And she's like, this city is like bullshit compared to my father's estate. This is like a bullshit cramped small place. Like, don't fuck with me. And the guard was basically like, listen, you don't have a pass. Go appeal to the to the Natite. And then he kind of indicates like, go tie your horse up over there. Go appeal to them to see if you're allowed to cross. And so she leads Bix and Tobble and goes and like sets them all down. And then she heads over to where she has to appeal to this Natite. And Bix and Tobble are watching together. And Tobble starts kind of saying like, okay, this is, you're going to see a Natite now. You're going to know what they look like. And there's this big scene of like all of these humans pulling these giant pulleys and ropes and this thing creeping up out of the water that was like this giant rusted cage. And inside of it, there's this green scaled <laughs> slimy creature. And Tobble's like, that's a Natite. They're just Nartek. They are Nartek. They are yeah, the Nartek. That's all I can fucking think about. 
Oh my god! I think like they're the top halves of them are described slightly yeah. different, but they absolutely are yep. the Nartak. Uh. Oh man. Yeah, so this thing is described by being, like, vaguely mermaidy, but, like, its head is shaped like the bow of a ship, and on either side are these two big milky blue eyes with nictitating membranes, and, like, their tail is flat, but then has, like, a narwhal spike on it, and they have, like, tentacles that are coming up from the shoulders, like, fucking weird, but, like, (laughs) Nartek-esque. Um, and they speak in this kind of strange language. And so Tobble and Bix are close enough that they can hear and watch Kara as she's trying to negotiate with them. And they're like, where's your sea pass? And she's like, it was destroyed in a fire. And the Natai are basically like, all right, well, that sucks, but we'll let you pass if we can take a blood payment. And Kara hesitates and everybody's like, what the fuck is a blood payment? And uh, then she's like, all right. You can do it. So the Natite reaches out with this tentacle arm and like wraps it around her wrist and then pierces her her uh, arm with fangs and starts taking some of her blood. And Bix is like horrified. Like Bix is like, holy shit, what the fuck are they doing to her? Um, and it takes some of her blood and then removes the fangs and says, all right, you are now allowed to travel. And Kara returns to them and they're all like, they, they eat blood? They like they're blood suckers? And Kara's like, no, no, no. It's a genetic marker of sorts. And she shares, like, she's like, these Natite have, like, a singular mentality upload where they can, like, all access this information now. And now that they have her blood and genetic markers, anytime she's on the water, they can track her and they know it's her. And she's like, I don't love that. I didn't want to be found. And normally I'd spend a ton of money just to buy a fake pass, but I didn't want to risk it with Bix in tow. And uh, so they're like, all right. All right, I guess. So finally, they're allowed to board this ship. And um, as they go on board, they see all of these men that are sitting down ready to row. And they're like, Kara, what is that? And she's like, these are all of the indentured servants or prisoners. And they're like, this is fucked cool. up. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. And Bix gets really overwhelmed. So she uses, as she puts it, her dog status to run up to the deck of the ship and just kind of look out over the ocean. And eventually the boat departs and Bix watches the city recede. And she thinks about how she never wants to go back there. And then as she's sitting out there kind of alone, kind of just in her own thoughts, she starts thinking about how she has nobody to grieve for. She has nobody to pine for. She was all alone. And she thought of her father's dream, the one where she would be the last to die and she would be alone. She pulls out her map and starts wondering if she can escape, how she could leave Tobble if she did escape, how she could maybe use this map to find the other Darrens, how does she get out of the situation, are there even any Darrens left? And eventually she gets tired and starts to close her eyes trying to get some sleep, and she starts thinking about her family, but even in her dreams she knew that there was no more. And that's the end of part two. Oh my god. Oh my god, I fucking love this it's such a fucking good it's so good i love it it's so i love it so much also this is like going way the fuck back but at some point they're all like sitting around and eating things i think it's when um kara brought shit for tobble to eat and he's eating bugs and 
They yes. have like a moral quandary discussion about like oh, like, Tobble doesn't eat meat because it's wrong to kill living things. And Kara's like, yeah, but what about the bugs you're eating? And he's like, they don't count. And she's like, yeah, I'm sure they would disagree with you. And I was just like, this is the shit that I love. This philosophical, like, moral debate shit. I love it. And it's in this book. And, and, yes. Yeah. I, I love that. But it was one of those where it was like, because it didn't go past that point, I was like, I'm not going to summarize it. But I loved that that was in there as well. And I hope it comes back up. I'm sure it will. Um, There's just so much that has been dropped already that, like, I didn't necessarily make a note of. But, like, I'm pretty sure it's all going to come back in a big way. Like, what am I trying uh-huh. to... Oh, like, <laughs> it's, like, very convenient that Tobble happens to be 42 years old and they just happen to have a ceremony for when he's 43. (laughs) I absolutely, as soon as that came up, I was like, of course, his ceremony is going to be looped in here somehow. Like, that's why they brought up the age four chapters ago. Yeah, the magic is going to come back in a big way. Like, there was was details about magic that I kind of left out of there, but basically... Um, I think what we know now is that the the six superior races, like the cats, the birds, the humans, the darens, uh, and then whatever other two are, um, they can all do magic. And we even saw it casually where, like, while they were on the road, they saw a guy whose shoe got worn out. And Bix was watching him because he was limping. And then he took his boot off, cursed it out, and then did some magic. But then it turned into, like, a woman's yeah. shoe. And, like... And, like, Kara was just like, yeah, that magic is just fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Like, that was she, that was all she said. She's like, yeah, magic is just fucking insane. So, I think the magic is going to come back mm-hmm. in a big way. Kara's definitely, like, a princess. Yeah. With a magic yeah, sword. for sure. Reverse oh. Aragorn. Or yeah. gender-swapped Aragorn is what I'm saying. Renzo is Gambit, for sure. Yeah, Renzo is definitely Gambit. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way he's not. There's no universe in which he's not. Dear God. I um, love him. God. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking everything's great. Uh-huh. And we're probably going to go meet this this um, this guy. Yeah. Uh, Ferenci. Yeah. Yeah. That scientist. He, like, I'm... I feel like he's gonna be evil. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like he's gonna, like... I feel like Mordano's gonna show up, or, like, someone's gonna leak to Mordano that they have a... That they have a, a Bix. Mm-hmm. A Darren. And, yeah, that's gonna... Cause something to happen. For sure. Oh, the other structure they mention is that in the city, one of like the tallest buildings that they can see as they're approaching the the heart of the scholars is like a library and each level is one of the species and each one of those levels oh, has yeah. like a species librarian that like keeps the books for them and the only one they're missing is the Darren's and it's just like a dusty old thing and that's going to come back, I'm sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm sure she'll find a clue to other Darren's while she's in that library. 
Yeah, absolutely. Or like some lost history that explains uh-huh. like what or why or when they started being hunted or I yeah. also wonder if um so everybody says they're hunted for their fur. Mm-hmm. Which I think I think that's a compelling enough reason because that's very like true to real life about mm-hmm. animals that are hunted for such like a fucking shitty reason. Yeah. Um, but I kind of wonder if it's more than that, like yeah. their ability to tell to tell lies from truth. Like, I kind of wonder if like maybe they've just like captured a whole bunch of them and they just like keep them in prison somewhere so that they can use that power. Or something. Ooh, or like a corrupt ruler started the hunt for their pelts because they mm-hmm. were fucking them up in court. Oh. 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 <laughs> I just feel like there's more to it. There's gotta be more to it. Oh, man. And the next chapter, like the next part, the name of it is like something like heading to my funeral. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very scared. Oh, I wonder if they're going to, like, fake her death or something. <gasps> to get her out of the city once they realize that Ferenczi is an evil dude. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, man. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm so excited. <gasps> I wonder if they have to get Renzo to help the buster out. Oh, because he's a thief. He knows about stuff. He knows how to sneak into places and steal things. And he's going to steal a darn. He's stealth proficiency. And we we know he knows that that Bix is a darn. He was not old. Yeah, he was all like, cool dog you got there. Yeah. And he also knows that that car is a girl Mm because at some point he was like, all right, good, sir. I'll see yes. you around. And he definitely like paused and gave her a look. Like, yeah. all right, sir. <laughs> yeah, he's he's got he's got insight. He rolled high insight. He rolled high insight, <laughs> extremely high in stealth. Very good flips. Probably magical in some way. Good flips. <laughs> Sweet flips. Sweet flips for sure. <laughs> Probably sure. great hair. <laughs> No cards. way to know. <laughs> Throws cards. That's <laughs> a good New Orleans with, good accent. <laughs> Cajun accent. He's just really young Gambit, isn't he? He's, He's Gambit. Like teen Gambit. He's Teen Gambit. He's, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Probably has some exotic looking eyes of some sort. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's the best uh, joke. <laughs> <laughs> Bow down to it, true, mon ami. <laughs> oh, this is great. I'm excited for part three. I, other than those predictions we just said, I part three is much less clear to me than I felt part two was. Yeah. I'm very excited to read it. I'm so excited to read all of it. Oh my God. I'm just like, we have... You know, three three fifths of this book left to go, mm-hmm. and then we have two more books. I know, I'm so excited. I'm so used to just reading books until I finish, <laughs> and now I have to wait. Uh, yeah, that is the anyway. bummer of doing it this way. Is that 
it's very start and stop and like and then I want to say like oh once we've read through it like I'll sit back down and just read it cover to cover but the reality is like I'm not gonna do that (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's definitely different um reading a book and like analyzing it with someone versus just like reading a book on your own Mm -hmm. like yeah yeah but I love dissecting it deeply. Like, I just, it's so fun. Yeah, I agree. Like, if I was a more responsible person, I would just read the part through and then go back and take notes chapter by chapter. But, like, I'm not a responsible person. Although, it probably <laughs> wouldn't take me that much longer because, like, when you're reading it straight through, it's probably, like, a, for, what, like, 40, 50, 60 pages It's probably, like, half hour 40 minute read it wouldn't be that hard to do mm-hmm. i should do mm. it but i'm lazy and a bum <laughs> <laughs> so i won't uh, your time is limited yeah but uh. i'm excited for the like i'm really excited to get through this i'm like this is so different from animorphs in a way but like some of the stuff that I truly, truly love and adore about Animorphs is in this book as well, and I'm so glad mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. I also just love how lost Bix is. Mm-hmm. Like, I it, usually at this point in a book, like, the, the main character would, like, have a plan and, like, know what they're doing and be in the process of executing that plan. But the fact that she's just, like, going along with everything and just is so lost and, like, grieving... Mm-hmm. It's just so fascinating, and it's so different from, like, your kind of standard adventure book, I think. Yeah, for sure. Like, even, like, escaping capture. Like, Bix is still a prisoner at this point. Yeah. Kind of like a Stockholm Syndrome prisoner, but, like, Yeah, a like, she's already kind of befriending her captor, sort of. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Because usually in, like, a hero's journey sort of thing, you have, like, you know, like, you meet the person, and then you have kind of the standard setup of, like, the old person tells them to go on an adventure, they go on an adventure, and then, like, something really bad happens, and that's the whole, like, dark night of the soul, break down the character so that they can be rebuilt and come back even stronger in the final mm-hmm. chapter. But this one, it's like, let's break her down at the very beginning and then watch her build up throughout the rest, so... And another thing that I think when you're looking at like a hero's journey that we usually see is the hero always has the ability to see through the bullshit. And in this one, it's literal in that Darren's can see lies and truth, but it's about different, like there's a throwaway line about different flavors of lies. And so it's almost like the hero starts with the ability to see through the bullshit and yet here they are with like some form of Stockholm syndrome and realizing that the truth and the lie isn't as simple black and white as Mm -hmm. God, this is such an Applegate book. I know. (laughs) Nuance. That's so interesting because it's like everything's kind of going in reverse. (sighs) Mm. I I love it. I love this so much. How are they so talented and amazing? I don't know. It's not fair. It's not fair. Save some talent for the rest of us hacks, please. Yeah. Distribute. (laughs) Distribute the wealth. (laughs) 
Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, incredible. Yep, I like it. I like it too. All right, should we wrap it up? I think we shall. Okay. Well, if you want to talk to us about Endling, go ahead and do that <laughs> at anonymousanimors at gmail.com. Uh, or hit us up on Facebook at Animorphs Anonymous, and maybe we'll get some other socials specific to what we're doing now. We'll see. Um, and that'll probably come in in, like, episode three, and we'll have already had it up for a week, so it'll be a whole thing. This is exactly <laughs> like when we first started, and everything's behind the times, but here we are. Uh. Um, Twitter at Animorphs Anon, Instagram at Animorphs Anonymous. Uh, what else? Uh, Discord? Yeah, we have a Discord server. We hang out with other Animorphs fans. It's a good, fun, joyful time. Um, if you want to join us on our little romp, um, you can hit us up on any of our socials. We'll get you the Discord link. Please come join us. It's a good fucking time. Yes, but what if... I am tired of talking to people, and I wish to end it and not talk to them, and I would like to read web comics by myself. <laughs> I have a web comic that you could read. It is a romance. It's called Beside You. It's about music, and you can go read that for free at bsideyoucomic.com. It is also on Top Us and Webtoons. Um, or you can go to my Patreon, and you can get access to early pages, and work-in-progress mm-hmm. pages, and sometimes bonus content, um, and you can go do that at patreon.com slash kcdstudios. And I'm gonna go ahead and highly recommend that you become a patron, because right now, in the real world, track three just ended, and we're about to start <gasps> track four. But that's for the regular peons, and we don't give a shit about them. If you become a patron, we're already in track four. Fuck all those guys. We're special. Or you're, yeah, we're like halfway into track four. So <laughs> big, big advantage to to being a patron. You get to see all the shit super early. Huge advantage, and then maybe you'll get like access to the special podcast that Dan and I are gonna do just about Slater. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Slater cast that Dan has not agreed to and knows nothing about. I cannot stress this enough. Dan has not agreed to this. <laughs> I cannot express to you how he does not know this. <laughs> but we're putting that behind a paywall, motherfucker. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit. Uh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Cry. <Well. laughs> so, if one has read the webcomic and listened to the Slater cast <laughs> that Dan does not know about. I cannot stress this enough. He has no idea we're doing this. <laughs> oh. Alright, I've done all that. What do I do now? Maybe another podcast, perhaps. Ah, well, if you're ready at this point for another podcast, because you've listened to the Slater cast and you're like, I love this so much. Does Alex talk more about shit she knows nothing about? The answer is <laughs> yes. I am on a podcast called From Cadmus to Crisis Is This. It's a Superboy podcast. And I do that with David and Drew, who have done our Alternomorphs episodes and uh, in the Time of the Dinosaurs 
and they are delightful and wonderful. And sometimes I on pod play bingo with the boys because we're doing a comic that has just call out after call out and David made us bingo cards. And sometimes there's ads in the book that are just drawings of M&Ms and I do them in Photoshop and they make a car. And this is the kind of content you can come to expect from us. <laughs> what? <laughs> So yeah, Cabinets to Crisis. Check it out. Um, some people have started crossing over and listened to both Animorphs Anonymous and Cabinets to Crisis. And whoa, I know it's crazy. And I thank you guys. I I really appreciate that. That's very very cool. Oh, also, if you want to listen to Cabinets to Crisis and Animorphs Anonymous, we actually share a YouTube channel called Strong Shape International. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we're uploading Animorphs Anonymous episodes every Wednesday. So we're kind of going through our backlog. If you want to re-listen to the entire podcast, which I do sometimes, it's a it's a good good adventure. Um, you can do that. I don't know when Cabinets to Crisis updates, but they do update, and you can just get all of that good '90s junk at yeah. strong shape international on youtubes and uh you can get other videos that um are not podcast specifically but like extra content that we do and one of them is the interview with michael grant and we have <sighs> some more videos coming out that's Yay. not going to be in the podcast feed it'll just be on our youtube exclusive to the video machine yeah we need video for it so sorry yeah. all right i think that's it let us like bix march to our funerals oh no this is the end now this is the end in the arms of an angel (laughs) (laughs) i was making shit up but that that works. <laughs> let, let us be delivered into Sarah McLaughlin's waiting <laughs> angel arms. <laughs>